I'm Natalie Mills. And I'm Sarah Stark. And you are listening to The Lumpy Mother, the podcast where we show up for our kids by showing up for ourselves. We are not experts. We're just two best friends and moms who love learning and laughing together. I have two kids, an 11-month-old son and a three-year-old daughter. And I have four kids, an eight-year-old daughter and three sons. Two have birthdays next week, so one's going to be eight, one's going to be two, and then my (laughs) third son is six. Yeah. So if you want to know, you're not the only parent whose child knows more about technology than you do. (laughs) That's a good one. I was inspired. Then you, <laughs> then you have come to the right space. Today we're doing our very first interview and I'm very, very, very Yay. excited because we're interviewing a very good friend of mine, Kelsey, who is a life coach and um, she ex- um, she's an expert in body image particularly. Is that right, Kelsey? Do I have that? <laughs> Accurate, I guess. Yeah, body image and self-image, I would say, which go hand in hand. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, the two, the two together a lot. Yeah. And so today we're going to be talking about self-image as moms and probably a host of other things. Who knows where the day will lead? We shall see. (laughs) It's going to be wonderful. Um, I'm particularly, I keep saying, I don't even like that word. I'm very excited to have Kelsey. I've known them. We, we met in college. We were both English majors together. And I was trying to think, Kelsey, today of how exactly we got to know each other. But I think it was just like organically and slowly over time. We had multiple classes together. We right. would have discussions in those class. And well, uh, Kelsey just had all these amazing, insightful, mind-blowing things to say. And I <laughs> remember seeing her and being like, I want to be their friend. And um, <laughs> and then we became friends, and that was great. And then down the road, once I had moved out west, uh, I hired Kelsey after she got her um, life coaching certification to be a life coach for me. And it was an ex- incredible experience. You do talk about it often. You, I mean, really, when we're talking about topics, you talk about the fact that Kelsey helped you through a lot of things, whether it was like coming to peace with not getting everything done on your to do, like your chores list and things like that. So you oh, can tell yes. Just, that it um, was a big help. my per- perspective uh, towards choice was a big one. Understanding mm-hmm. where your emotions are in your body. I mean, there's this, this whole list. Uh, you know, you grow up and you start understanding and building like your foundational perspectives or values, I guess, and how you understand yourself and your emotions and your relationships and everything. And then someone like Kelsey comes along and you're like, whoa, I never thought of it that way. And so um, thank you for that amazing experience. And I can't wait to share their wisdom with everyone else. Kelsey. Yeah. Hi. Hey, that was so sweet. And I have to tell you, my memory of us being in college partly was that um, at the time when we first met, I was still a wee little baby. And so uh, you were just a couple years older than me. And I was like, I'm not 21 yet. And I can't go out and have drinks with the cool kids. That's that's my like earliest memory of like seeing Sarah in classes and stuff and being like Sarah Um, but yes then eventually you know we had enough classes together that yeah I like I my memory is really just like we had classes together and then suddenly like we were hanging out and like I don't really remember I don't even know (laughs) it just it just made sense you know Uh, yeah I'm so happy it happened (laughs) me too me too so special so, Kelsey, um, 
Tell us, I mean, Sarah kind of filled us in a little bit on your background with right. her. Tell us a little bit just about um, you and maybe how you got into life coaching yeah. and where what led you to this place? Oh, my gosh. So I was actually thinking about this most of the day. <laughs> like, how, how do I, how, like, what is the narrative for me, I guess? Yeah. So, um I, like we talked about, I was an English major with Sarah, and I feel like that really gave me a groundwork for, like, uh, just, uh, <laughs> like, why, I can't think of the right word. I'm, like, creative thinking? That's not the phrase yeah, I'm like looking problem for. Like, problem-solving? Yeah, well, like, yeah. just, like, looking at things from different points of view, and, yes. um, I, it's not that's not perhaps like the best description of it, but I felt like it was something that really opened me to different types of stories and different types of people and different ways of thinking, thinking critically. Yeah. That's what I yes. was trying to say, um, yeah. like thinking critically. And so uh, it was really valuable to me and also to be a part of like a community like that. But at the time that I was in college, I would say was also some of the hardest times. I mean, <laughs> up until perhaps uh, global pandemic times. But <laughs> it was um, a time period for me where my self-image was not great. And um, I, I look back on it now and I see so much of what I struggled with and so many of the clients that I work with now, which is that they're often really insightful and they think a lot mm. about themselves, how they interact with people. They think about feelings. They analyze a lot, but they don't know how to use it for good. Oh. So they turn it back in on themselves, which means like a lot of negative self-talk, yes. being really hard on themselves. Yes. So I had a lot of that in college. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Same. I love how you said that, too, because it's a lot of times I do feel like I can recognize that this is self-talk or negative self-talk or I can recognize that this I'm doing this bad thing in my head. But it's so hard to kind of create that bridge and right. get out of it, get out of that cycle. Yeah. Yes. And the and, image of uh, turning it back in on yourself, that is so mm -hmm. accurate. Like, it's really a beautiful strength. But for some reason, yes. I don't know if we're just like conditioned that way culturally or that's the only way I I felt shown how to be a good person or right. that I understood was it, it was just this one kind of narrow path. Um, yeah, that if you want to make a change, you have to be mean to yourself is really yes. what I think we're taught a lot mm. of the time. Or if you aren't hard on yourself, then you will not follow through or you <sighs> won't. And I think ultimately that is not often actually true and that when we're kind yeah. to ourselves and we give ourselves co like compassion that is when we're most likely to achieve the things we want to achieve but also when we don't we ex extra need that stuff yeah. you know um so yeah but i that i was sort of the first time for me that i remember thinking like ooh this is not good like mm -hmm. I don't like this but I don't know how to change it and at the time um I was dealing with and I still deal with a lot of anxiety and so I had a lot of things that stemmed from that so like my other main issue at the time was something that was like I didn't realize that one of the biggest symptoms of anxiety is actually irritability so I thought I was just a mean person <laughs> to the people I loved most, uh, which is, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh, sweet baby. That's not that's not true. Wait, um, so you're telling me maybe I'm not just a mean mom. Right. Maybe I'm an anxious mom. There might be more compassionate and understanding ways of looking at it. Who knew? I feel really excited about this. idea. Yes. I mean, it's true, though. I, I feel like it completely shifted the way that I looked at myself. This was at a point at which I had already graduated and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so that's also just a wildly painful time. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I had started journaling, which was a big thing for me. But I had also discovered a podcast called The Life Coach School, mm -hmm. um, which is where I got my certification done. Um, so when I found that, 
podcast uh, and started learning, I didn't think I'm going to do that as a career. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just thought, wow, like this is a way I have never been taught to look at the world that's making me understand myself better and is making me a better partner. Um, It's making me show up as my best self when I practice these things that I was learning Mm -hmm. from Burt Castillo um, in this podcast that she does. So It was a while after that of doing this. Um, During this time period, I was also selling vintage clothes. And that's the thing I thought I was going to do. And I I really did love doing it. Um, But it was like I was just using the stuff I was learning from Burt Castillo to help me with this stuff. And then one day I had the thought. I was like, do I want to do this? (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God. I can't say that out loud. And I was like terrified to say it out loud because if it was real, it meant like a big trajectory change and stuff. So ultimately, um, I brought it up to my therapist first. I was like, hey, I'm going to say something out loud now. That's really scary. And um, after that, it became a lot more real. And I sort of like was it was easier for me to kind of ease into the idea that this was maybe something I wanted to do. Uh, And yeah, so I started my certification in October of 2018. And then I was certified by March 2019. So that's when I started working on a business and stuff and all all of that. So tell us about a little bit about because your Instagram page and you also have a TikTok. Those are where you're kind of the most active in a social media sense. So where a where can we find you on both? And then what kind of things can we see on your page or what, what are you putting out there in that sense? Yeah. So, uh, both on Instagram and on TikTok, I'm, uh, at coaching with Kelsey with an S right. Yes. K- okay. K E L S E Y. Like, Oh gosh, I was really afraid I was going to misspell my own name. Just now. <laughs> um, yeah. So I really, and I also have a Facebook page, but I'm not really, uh, on there a lot. I don't do a lot of Facebook. Um, so yeah, but that's there too, if that's what you're into. Um, but, uh, yeah, I started with Instagram because that's where I had done like my vintage clothing selling mm-hmm. and that's where I was most comfortable. Um, so it's been a process trying to kind of figure out like how I want to make content, what kind of content I want to make. TikTok has been really fascinating and fun and different, actually, even though I was very scared of it at first. (laughs) Um, I actually really, really like it. And I feel like it's opening me up to trying new things in more short form stuff, Mm um, which is great because I can talk for a really long time. (laughs) So sometimes my videos on Instagram would get really long and be really annoying to edit. So... (laughs) Um, yeah, but what kind of stuff do I do? We have um, a podcast, I, so we know what it's like. Yeah. To we all have like two hour long recordings and I'm like, and we're like future Natalie. I'm so sorry. Right. <laughs> future editing Natalie. <laughs> oh, that's why I really got to get me a podcast. There but, you go. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. What do I do on my Instagram? Um, I just often make a lot of like posts related to like body image mm-hmm. and uh how to change your perception of your body yeah. uh when you have felt very negatively about it for most of your life mm-hmm. um and i also combine that a lot with self image which you know uh, they're very similar or even interchangeable at times but just like the way in which we see ourselves and the narrative we craft about ourselves which is often not necessarily accurate to reality yeah. but we like to believe all of these really mean things about ourselves because yeah. i think it kind of sometimes it's a strategy unconsciously that keeps us where we are and mm-hmm. keeps us stuck, even if that's not authentically what we want. Um, so yeah. And then on TikTok, I do that, but with videos, <laughs> which I think is fun. Cause I really like um, having the 
sort of more visual connection, even though I'm not really like I'm not seeing the people who are seeing my videos, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I can actually speak directly to them, which is really special. And um, yeah, I feel like I've gotten good responses from that. It's always like when someone leaves a comment and it's like, I really needed to hear that today. I'm like, wow, well, I'm really glad I got myself to make it today then. Imagine if (laughs) I made them every day. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what I do with those right now. That's awesome. So when you are talking with women, do you deal mostly with women or people that identify as women, or is it all across the board for you? Well, I'm open to working with anyone yeah. really as long as we're a good fit mm-hmm. but yeah primarily it's women um and yeah what was the rest of the question <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that was the first step <laughs> right yes yes primarily i work with women yeah um i okay. have worked with a few men i am interested in working perhaps with like some younger people Ooh, like people yeah. who are maybe in their late teens okay. and seeing oh, totally. how that's a yeah, brutal time to... period for body image. Oh, isn't it? It really no. is. Uh, but I feel I... for all the girls, all the people, yeah, <laughs> just yes. generally in that yes. time. That's yeah. So, so when you're talking with these women or anyone, yeah. what are some of the topics and issues that you see mm. coming up? regularly or things that people need help with Uh, do you see any like reoccurring over and over kind of yes yeah (laughs) absolutely I see it in my clients I see it in myself Mm -hmm. you know like a lot of times I we we all have a lot of very similar obviously everyone is different but I think we often are taught very similar patterns even though those might be different based on just like who raised you and those things. Mm -hmm. Um, For one, um, really high expectations of themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. I often call this the expectation to be more than human because I, I, that has been how I have looked at it for myself. And that's been really freeing Mm -hmm. the idea that you are a human being that comes with certain things. It comes with negative emotions. It comes with uh, um, being imperfect, making mistakes, not yes. always being your best self. Yes. And that there is no world in which those things cannot happen at some <sighs> point or another. That's so huge. And it's it's so funny when you put it like that, you don't realize how much you're you're thinking that you need to get rid of those things but right. when you turn it around and say, no, this is actually a part of it's it's inevitable. It's a part of who you are. It, it just may it just it kind of blows my mind to think about how how I used to and still can find myself just getting into that one narrow. This is who I'm supposed to be. This is how I'm supposed to feel. Anything else yeah. must be thrown in the garbage or something, even though that is just as much of me as a human and a person. I mean, ugh. Anyway, I just love that. <laughs> well, I love that it's like it's it, at its base. It's such a simple idea that should yes. feel so obvious, right? It like does, but we are human. Not... Yeah, it, it is so strange that we <sighs> kind of forget that so often. Yeah. You're, and I think for related to kind of what we do in general, I think that when you become a mom, all of a sudden there is like this yeah. um is trope the right word here? This trope that like the super mom kind of idea. Right. And so. so I think so. Right. Um, Sounds good. I just really want to use that word in a sentence. Yeah, <laughs> you've done it. Success. It's a good one. I think it worked. <laughs> so, yes. but I do feel like there's this idea that like you're supposed to be a super mom yes. or that's how you're a good mom is to be a super mom and to remind yourself yeah. that no, that's not actually possible. And sacrifice everything you need as a human sometimes to mm-hmm. fulfill that superness. Yes, definitely. I think the that often like the motivation to be more than human Mm -hmm. is because we want to serve and love the people around us Mm -hmm. that and if we can and I'm not speaking we I'm not a mom so (laughs) I'm but I do feel a sense of you love people so you understand that kind of relationship (laughs) as someone who sees themselves as sort of like a caregiving personality Mm -hmm. and who's always 
love taking care of people, but often done it to my own detriment. Um, I think that the desire to be more than human in this regard can often be because you think, well, if I was more than human, then I could always be there for my kid. I could always make the best decision for them. I could always uh, save them before something bad happens, whatever that is, emotionally, yeah. physically, or whatever. And that ultimately the pressure we put on ourselves to do that, though, ends up putting us in a position like we talked about the anxiety and irritability. We're always on edge then because there's always like this sense that like you have to be on alert, but also yeah. that like you're not good enough because yeah. you're, ultimately you can't be more than human. So if that's the expectation, you can't meet it. And it's painful. That's amazing. So what other things do you usually see from people? Yeah. So this kind of goes along with that. I think often they sort of pair with each other. But uh, the, another one is like self-judgment. Um, and so there's this thing that I teach my clients um, called meta emotions, where this is like, and this is where the self-judgment kind of comes in, right? So it's like you do something or say something and then you have a thought about that you're like i shouldn't have said that and then maybe you feel judgment right but then you're like i'm not supposed to judge myself i'm on a journey of self-love and acceptance <laughs> yes. and so you're like oh god i hate that i'm judging myself right now so we then we judge the judgment um, and we go into this just like that's why it's called meta emotions. It's like there's there's all these layers of emotions about other emotions. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of get lost in it. And I think a lot of people who end up in that cycle feel so lost and confused that they don't know how to get out of it. And this is where you can start to really um, embrace some negative beliefs about like this maybe just being who you are, quote unquote, um, versus just a way that you're thinking about yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's certainly something that comes up a lot too. Like having thoughts about your thoughts, about your feelings, about your feelings, about your thoughts right. reminds mm -hmm. me of like eat, pray, love or just, and um, what, when she was meditating and she was thinking about her meditation room and then she's starting to think about how she's supposed to be meditating or it, when you when I <laughs> meditate, yeah. when, when I try, which I mean, I'm, I, well, here's I'm not going to be self-deprecating. See, oh, my God, I'm doing it right now, <laughs> guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is my. Life. Oh, I literally did it on the car here, and I was like, "Kelsey, you are going to a podcast interview to talk about this." And then I was like, "Yep, I'm over it. No, nope, we're good. We're good. good. <laughs> the hair is weird today, and it's fine. That's literally a thing that happened like 45 minutes ago. So it is fine. It's totally yeah. Fine. And that like I am someone who teaches this stuff. And that does not make me immune yeah. to being human. Like it, it doesn't like I'm no different just because yes. I've learned these tools. And just because someone else learns them doesn't mean like like it's not a, a race to like uh, like enlightenment or something mm -hmm. <laughs> like it, it's just uh, tools for like being human, yeah. you know? Yeah. In coping with that. Yeah. In coping <laughs> with that. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that what we're all just really doing? We're just learning how to cope with being human. That's true. Yeah. But I mean, that probably starts with acknowledging the other human parts that we're trying to um, forget about or like logic ourselves out of. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Logicking yourself out of things that is never works. one. Major coping mechanism I'm familiar <laughs> with, uh, which I think comes, like I mentioned earlier, with this idea of being sort of a self-reflective person. Yeah. But not like when you don't know how to use that for the benefit of, of yourself and yes. maybe others, that's when you turn it back in on yourself, yeah. you know. So one of the things that I see with a lot of people who struggle with body image is body checking. Mm -hmm. So what this is, is exactly what it sounds like, really, which is just a lot of like looking in mirrors or your reflection to check, quote unquote, to make sure your body is OK or mm -hmm. is like exactly the way that it should look or maybe exactly the way it shouldn't look, whatever it mm -hmm. is. It's like this needing to know 
Um, and this comes up a lot too with weighing yourself. So when I work with clients who want to do body image, um, we talk about if they weigh themselves or not. And, um, I at least make the suggestion that for the eight weeks we do the program together, that they see what it's like to not weigh themselves, um, which can also bring up lots of stuff for us to talk about, which is great because yeah. um, it's not always easy. Some people no. stop and they're like, they don't think about it, and but they're like, oh, yeah, I actually like I feel better when I'm not weighing myself. But some people notice the urge to check, which is very similar to this body checking. I need to check and see if my weight has changed. Mm-hmm. What will knowing that number do? And so we ask like and get curious what would it how would you feel if you knew uh because whatever that feeling you're searching for is that certainty that relief that calm uh how can we get that without needing to focus on the weight because mm-hmm. the weight is whatever it is and it's that whether you know it or not mm-hmm. um and so you know, if ultimately a person decides that weighing themselves is not something that's triggering, then that's fine. But if it is, I think it's a cool practice to try not weighing yourself because most of us have been weighing ourselves since we were probably some people as young as like seven years old have oh, been weighing themselves yeah. and yeah. weight checking and body mm-hmm. checking. Yeah. And so what I always say is like, you can go back to it whenever you want. So let's experiment and see what is it like and what comes up for you. What are the thoughts you have when you are not weighing yourself? Um, and then sometimes people do end up weighing themselves. And I'm like, you know what? That's great because now we can talk about it. So like, what did that do for you? So it's not, a, you know, if you do weigh yourself or you don't, it's not about success or failure so much as it's about Let's just see what comes up in your mind mm-hmm. when we we take these things out or add these things um, and talk about it together. Um, well, so that's always interesting. I love that you're like, it's forcing a conversation because I can talk in my head. It feels like a, a million miles a minute. You right. know what I mean? Totally. And so having a conversation out loud uh, and I even when I'm probably problem solving for work or anything like that for the kids. Sometimes I don't necessarily even need a a response. A good response is wonderful, but sometimes it's just like I need to say it out loud and have that external conversation. So having someone like you who could break that down, I can imagine that would be extremely helpful, you know, because it's I can say things like I feel weird about this, but trying to explore why that is, you know what I mean? Like, it's really that's really powerful, I think. I think one of the cool things about my role in that type of relationship that I have with my clients is that I get to invite them to be curious Mm -hmm. and compassionate with themselves. And when they're alone and they don't know that practice or like they they don't even know it, they don't know it or they are still practicing being able to do that for themselves. It's like a practice that we get to do together where I get to offer that option to them yeah. uh, when it's often not something that they're used to. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. So I will say that I can get almost um, focus, hyper focus. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can get super hyper, hyper focused yes. on the scale and it goes in and yeah. out. I won't weigh myself for six months yeah. and then I'll spend six months fixated. doing it every single morning. Yeah. Yes. Fixated. <laughs> and so, um, and it's so tricky. Yeah. It's like, for me, it's like, it holds me accountable. And it's also, it's absolutely a fixation. Like I do it, I've been doing it Mm -hmm. every single morning because I've been trying to eat better. And that's like my measurement, but for my body, but so, because I want to fit in my- you were taught this. So like, let's just put that out there too. It's often the only way we know, like we talked about with like the idea of making a change and being hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we're trying to be healthy. And the only thing we've been taught that is a measure of that is our weight. Yes. which turns out yes. to not necessarily be completely accurate. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. one, well, let me, let me offer this. Cause I think that, um, and I have some, some book recommendations at yes. later that I think are really <laughs> awesome. So this, this idea comes from this book by Caroline Dooner 
that has the swear in the title, which is uh, the F it diet. Um, And it's this idea that when you are trying to be healthier, think of it in terms of adding and not taking away. Mm. So what are you adding to your meals Mm -hmm. to make them more nutrient dense and healthy? Oh my gosh. Rather than taking away items for to try and be healthy, quote unquote. I love this that. What's so wild for me? This is so yes. wild for me because that's how I do it with my kids. Right. It's like I instinctually kind of know. Yeah. Or knew, that but is that is not so what I do with myself. True. With my kids, I'm like, okay, we're gonna have mac and cheese. I'll put some peas and carrots. At least they'll have something yeah. if we're gonna have something that's not so healthy. Um right. how can oh I'll you know I'll just hide some spinach at least there's some nutrients in there with the spaghetti sauce a little added it's about nourishment yes and nothing else sarah you know and and moderation yes yeah you blew my mind because it's so true when we're doing like pancakes for dinner whatever like we i i always try to make sure we add something healthy and so it's Uh like why are we well i and the whole i love the idea or i love the fact that um this kind of like anti-restrictive diet thing is coming out where they're talking about how how bad that is for you and how it just doesn't work um from a mindset or from an actual yeah i'm just i i'm gonna be honest last six months i've I've gotten very anti-diet yeah well i'm extremely anti-diet i'm not let me like also say I'm not anti-dieter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not anti the person who is on a diet. Yeah. But I am very anti-diet. Um, and this book that I just mentioned by mm-hmm. Caroline Dooner is an excellent starting place for anyone who has been either just a a hardcore chronic dieter, mm-hmm. especially. But even myself, I don't think I've ever been a chronic dieter. But I have certainly gone through phases of weight loss and attempting weight loss. Weight Watchers was a big mm. thing for me. And before I started, because the the book, the, the Effort <laughs> Diet, um, it, it's basically an intuitive eating book okay. um, with a edgy name. <laughs> uh, and so I started intuitive eating without really knowing that's exactly what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, after I came off of a year of like Weight Watchers and mm-hmm. losing a bunch of weight and being mm-hmm. the thinnest I've ever been. And it is truly the best thing I have ever done for myself. Wow. Um, it's Whoa. been, gosh, honestly, you know, when I stopped dieting, was the last time I saw Sarah and I went to go visit. <gasps> That's that was awesome. uh that was when I quote unquote fell off my diet <laughs> when I and then I just never got back on. Wow. I think one of the reasons I'm really anti-diet right now is because I don't want my daughter yeah. to grow up with that kind of language mm-hmm. even in her life. And I don't want her hearing me say things like, well, I can't eat that because it's not on my diet or I'm on a diet. So I'm being restrictive in one way or another. Yeah. Like I'm not going to put that headspace. I'm not going to do that to her head thinking yeah. that that's healthy yeah. at all. And so, so our culture does it enough honestly, to them. I want her to have like a yes. foundation, my daughter too, a foundation of this is yeah. what's healthy and this is, and then mm-hmm. someday we can start talking about the messages that are going to come in. Because uh, yeah. boy, do those messages mess with you. I mean, I have mm-hmm. a pretty tumultuous, tumultuous <laughs> relationship <laughs> with, with eating. I mean, I was, well, in college, mm-hmm. I was really, really skinny. I think I was like mm-hmm. a size two, you know? Um, and I, I basically just ate as little as possible to look that way. And that was not about health. It was purely about, about body image and self image well, and worth. So, self-worth. you know, what's something really fascinating. Um, I feel like I was going to talk about all these books later, but they're going to come up as we're talking. <laughs> yeah, <too. totally. laughs> so, um, Aubrey Gordon, um, who is also known as your fat friend on Instagram online. Um, she wrote a book called okay. what we don't talk about when we talk about fat. 
um, that I'm reading right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm almost, I'm about halfway done. And um, one of the most fascinating things about what you just said, this idea that like of, I was, I was restricting to be thin and it wasn't about health. Right. So um, it used to always be the way we talked about weight loss and dieting was just to be thin. Mm -hmm. And it's not really until the 90s and early no more like the early 2000s where it starts to turn into this wellness culture it's mm. about wellness it's about being healthy and oh. so it's really confusing to navigate when everything that you're now being told is this diet is to make you healthy this weight loss is to make you healthy um and, but it's all the same stuff. It's yeah. all the same tricks. They Even just, Weight Watchers, which has been around since the '60s, I believe, um, they have changed their 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 uh, language around how they sell to people. But they're still doing wow. things like, oh, we'll take your teenagers and give them free Weight Watchers until they're eighteen, yeah. um, and things like that. Um, which I'm just very, very, it's... very, very against. Um, it's like well, another another way of someone yes. getting you hooked into diet mm-hmm. culture because it's it's a money making thing. I, I think that's a different conversation, but I mean, I feel like at the end of the day, it's like the kind of like the beauty industry is if they tell us we're unhealthy and we won't be healthy until we're a certain size. And we won't be appreciated as well. Like they they like compound them. But I think that's also why it's because, like you just said, you know you you grow up with this idea that you're healthy when you hit something, whether it's a pant size yes. or whatever, yes. because that's like all that we're seeing around us. And I feel like we're finally getting to a place where we are regulating plus size models for swimsuits, yoga. I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm seeing it more and more, which makes me yeah. so happy. So I think, and this is maybe, so like, I, I like to sort of separate these types of conversations between mm-hmm. like personal body image, yeah. the, the, the way you see yourself and your relationship with your own body versus conversations that also revolve around anti-fat bias mm-hmm. or fat phobia mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the way that um, that is like a systemic thing. Yes. Um, and it affects, and, and also I'll just say this, that I'm using the word fat as a descriptor, mm-hmm. a neutral thing. And, um, you know, if an individual person is not comfortable with that word, that's an, uh, an individual person's choice, but that's the way that I'm using it just to clarify. But that like fat phobia is something that affects almost every facet of a fat person's mm-hmm. life when they go to the doctor, when they're yes. out in public. If you read Aubrey Gordon's book, what we don't talk about when we talk about fat, she tells some brutal stories. Um, uh, I have had to take breaks reading this book because it's emotional. Oh, it's also yes. filled with so much information. Mm-hmm. So I, I highly recommend it. Obviously, like I wish I could just like spout all of the amazing yeah. things I'm learning yeah. from it, but I, my brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but I, I think that these two things, while it's important to talk about body image. And that's what Mm -hmm. I do with my clients, because I feel that when we work on our own body image in the context of understanding fat phobia and anti-fat bias, Mm -hmm. then we can unpack that within ourselves. And that is one small way that we can start to change the larger perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not changing laws. (laughs) It's not changing the the, uh, entirety of the world but it's one small step that we can take by working on ourselves that we can improve things for other people yeah um, as well well and i think it's so sarah we talked about this a few weeks because we talked about using the word fat as a descriptor instead of and the fact that it it has come with this negative bias for so long because there is a tiktok and maybe i will remember it and we can put it in the show notes but it's this woman and um and most of what she does on tiktok is like the anti-fat bias and talk about how it affects not only fat people but also anorexic people and i mean across the board just it's um but yeah have you read hunger by roxanne i haven't read it yet but it's definitely on my list i've heard really good things about it so because it's it's it sounds a little bit similar in the way that um 
she talks about her walk through life sometimes yeah. with that bias and how it affects her. And um, yeah, it was really good. It's been a few years now. Again, like that's what we're taught and we're taught that, well, okay. So another thing that Aubrey talks about in this book is the way that um, it became not so cool in the public sphere to speak about um, poor people and people of color in a negative way Mm -hmm. and the way that fat people have taken that spot as far as how can we talk trash about people in a way that almost everyone accepts. Oh. So that, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, when you think about it that way, that like, like they're getting the acceptable, the acceptable in quotes, hate, hate. Exactly. Um, and that it's all justified. Um, Aubrey Gordon also has a podcast called maintenance phase, um, which is very good. So, Oh, like, so many good recommendations, it, Kelsey. Um, I highly yeah. recommend. Um, it's with uh, Michael Hobbs from You're Wrong About. Have you heard of that podcast? Mm-mm. That's an, also an excellent podcast. Okay. But uh, Maintenance Phase, and it's about uh, every episode they talk about like um, different weird fad diets. They have an episode about Weight Watchers. Mm, nice. um, they have an episode about Dr. Oz. Um, they oh. just started their book series where they talk Ooh. about old diet books. Yes. <gasps> It's a really good podcast. I my education in this um, has been so much online, like and it didn't start until I think I was in college. I think I remember like the first time I ever thought about it was like I need I was back when I still use Tumblr and I was like, (laughs) I need to diversify the people I'm seeing and the people I'm following. And that became like. I need to be seeing people that look different than me. I need to be looking at people who are different sizes than I am, different races than I am, um, people with disabilities. Uh, Like uh, I need to be listening to these people and seeing these people so that it's something that I get used to. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like in, I don't know. I I think it's one of the best things that you can do for yourself, especially when it comes to your own body image is one, follow people who look like you, but also follow people who are bigger than you. Follow people who are all different sizes Mm -hmm. um, because it will not only open you up to not just seeing all of the the really thin people that you're used to seeing and following. Mm-hmm. I know because I <laughs> certainly have had to be like, do I need to follow another person who looks just like that other person I follow? <laughs> um, no, I don't. I'm good. Um, I'm sure they're a wonderful person, though. But um, yeah. so let's say um, you have some a mom come to you whether it's a new mom or someone who has been a mom for a while and um they want to talk to you about body image issues and just um self-image issues what's your starting point there and what i guess like what kind of conversations do you want to have and expect to have at that state um so let me start by saying that like in the program I do, which is like eight weeks long, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of just meant to get you started and give you some tools. Um, the first session, we always just talk, like do a get to know each other. And so when it comes to body image, we talk about like, what did you learn growing up about your body image? Like, what did you see other people like your parents? How did they treat body their mm-hmm. bodies? How did they treat your body? What did you learn from your peers? Things like that. Um and I almost said episode two. That's not right. Um, session two. We were in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. so <it> Same <laughs> idea. Session two, we talk about emotions yeah. because those are like, to me, some of like the really core stuff. We lay the foundation in the first two sessions for everything that comes after. So I... I think those first two sessions, yeah, they lay the the groundwork. Mm-hmm. So like after that point, like the tools that I teach, like for one, uh, I like to use this. So um, because I was certified through the Life Coach School, um, anyone who's familiar with the Life Coach School will probably be familiar with the model. The model is like this uh, thing that you 
plug in your thoughts and feelings and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it helps you just like look at those things on paper and see what the end result is. So let me explain the model first. (laughs) Uh, So the model is circumstances, which are just like the facts of the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Something like you could say like, okay, well, we would all agree on this. So it wouldn't be something descriptive, like an adjective. Mm -hmm. It would just be factual. An example someone says something to you in your mind, you're like, well, they were really rude about it. We wouldn't put that part in the circumstance. (laughs) Uh, That would go in the thought, which is next. But what we would put in the circumstance line is exactly what that person said. Okay. Factually. Right. Mm -hmm. So the next line is thoughts. A thought is just a sentence in your brain. And that sentence in your brain creates the next thing, which is a feeling. A feeling is a, a vibration in your body caused by a thought. And then you act from your feeling. So the next line Mm. is the action line. And then what you do creates your result. So I know that just like vomiting that out (laughs) is a little confusing. It makes sense. It's a linear. They lead into each other. Yeah. Right. So the reason I explained that is because this tool I use, I call it the body as a circumstance. So We put your body in the circumstance line. It is factual and neutral. It is just what it is. Mm -hmm. Then you have a thought about it. Mm -hmm. That thought is what creates the feeling you have about your body. So let's say you have a feeling of insecurity about your body. You might not realize what's actually happening with that thought process. And so you think my body is creating my insecurity. Mm which means I need to change my body to stop feeling insecure. But what's really happening is you are having a thought about your body that is creating that insecurity. You don't need to change the body. And in fact, changing the body does not guarantee the feeling will change. Mm. The thought has to change. This is why many people go on diets, lose a bunch of weight, and still don't like themselves, Mm -hmm. still don't feel good. Um, So the great thing about this is we don't have to change your body for you to feel differently about it. Um, We just have to work on the thought. And that doesn't mean just like snap of the finger, it's changed. Um, we, it takes time and unpacking and talking about these things because what we're taking is a whole belief system you've probably had your entire life. We're just delicately and kindly (laughs) and compassionately unpacking it and looking at it and being curious. And as we do that, deciding, do you like this? Is this what you want to keep? Is this how you want to think and feel about your body? And if it isn't, then we can go from there. Hmm. I I think that's so love. smart because yes. you're interrupting what is usually a very natural yeah. flow with thought and you're yeah. figuring out okay what is the actual problem here and the you're pro- breaking like you it said, apart problem- so you can put it back together in a way that's just actually healthier in the true sense of the word <laughs> When you become a mom, I think that something happens. Obviously, something happens with your body. If you are a birth mother, something happens with your body, right? Because you are kind of taken control of by a small little alien that like (laughs) has all of the say all of a sudden. And so the change can be immense and it's totally out of your control. And so being able to look at your body as a factual thing, like you said, a neutral thing Mm -hmm. is huge because in the span of a year, you might look like a whole different person, you know? And so I feel like that tool is so unbelievably useful. So, um, Sarah, how do you, this is a question for you real quick. How do you think that became becoming a mom changed your body image? How do you think it affected the way that you think about your body? Uh, well, there were some very amazing things about becoming a mom It's just, um, have, having trust in my body, uh, Mm -hmm. because it just created a human, uh, and then created milk. I mean, it, mm-hmm. that's pretty incredible. And the strength of the body af- after birth. Mm-hmm. But then after a couple months, that kind of feeling makes way to, oh, it's time to get back like mm-hmm. to where you were before. Mm. But as I'm, ta- as I'm talking, I'm like, 
it's kind of goes back to the you can only be human thing. Like, how would I expect my body to go back after it just did all these things? Yeah. Like, I never really Absolutely. broke that apart. Um, uh, for me, it's feeling and being perceived as attractive was a part of my self-worth for a long time. And more people would pay attention to what I had to say. And now I worry that because my body is too big that people won't listen. That is a very real point. No, like a, a yeah. feeling. That's a very real feeling. That's, yeah. Uh, wow. That's kind of like, um, I never really broke it down, but I'm think I'm, I'm breaking it down now and that's good. <laughs> that's We're good. We're doing it together. <laughs> We're breaking yeah. down the, the walls. Because I've yeah. been losing a little weight lately and I felt more confident talking to people. Hmm. Mm. Isn't yeah. it interesting that it's related like that, though? Yeah. Just like it, that your brain connects that for some reason. Yeah. Because I do think that like um, it, there's something in my head that um, relates what I look like to how interested people are in me, even in yes. like a friendship level, mm-hmm. which is. Yeah. I know that that's ridiculous. And I can I can say that. I it sometimes I like turn it back on myself. Okay, would I ever do this to someone? Else? There's no way I would ever <laughs> think of someone else this way. So why am I allowing myself to think about myself that way? It's just so strange. Right. But- I like to think about like you can do this in so many ways. Like you can think about this in terms of like what your brain is like naturally doing. Mm-hmm. You can also think about it in terms of your inner critic. Mm-hmm. Um I think <laughs> Doing it with your inner critic is really helpful because we can personify that Mm. and speak to that person and we can look at them and be like, what does this person actually need? This person who's telling me that I'm not good enough and I'm not pretty enough and um, I'm too fat, my body is too much, I take (sighs) up too much space, I'm too loud, whatever it is. Why is that person saying that really? Mm. Is it because someone said it to them? Is it because really this is just a version of me that's a lot younger than I realized? Um, Is this perhaps like 16 year old me who is putting this pressure on me um, because they felt that pressure and they think they're protecting me from some sort of rejection that they're afraid of? What did that person need to hear at the time that they felt that for the first time? They probably needed your unconditional love or the unconditional love of someone around them that maybe they didn't get for whatever (laughs) reason. You deserve that right now, right? Like, so I think um, being able to personify your inner critic is major. Okay, so I have one. This is a surprise question that I was not planning on asking until yeah. your last time. Oh. So if this does not work, yeah. we do not have to use it. Okay. <laughs> it feels like a lot of pressure. Okay, what is Are it? you ready? Yeah. What do you think in like two sentences or less? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, rapid is the fire. the secret to success? Oh. Okay. Hmm. I would say that the key to success is curiosity and self-compassion one sentence how about that (laughs) i love it lovely we could put that on a t-shirt for real because i just feel like that's why i asked it because i knew you'd have a great answer (laughs) (laughs) ah that's really nice because it makes me feel warm usually when someone defines how like the key to success or something it's all of these um things that don't make me feel good which i feel like success is supposed to be a good good something like generally Yeah. My least favorite thing is when people are like, just do what makes you happy. I was like, well, Ted Bundy thought killing women made him happy. And so I feel like that's not a standard we should follow. (laughs) And you know what else? I think, you know, this idea that we should always be seeking happiness is really not, I don't think it actually sets us up for that much success. I love, yes. I think it actually sets us up for a lot of being hard on ourselves because we're not happy all the time and we can't be and we're like, I'm supposed to be happy all the time. That's like the toxic positivity stuff yes. and everything. Yeah. yeah. That's a beautiful point. Totally. Um, what would you recommend? How would you recommend we speak to our daughters and, and sons to help them combat the inevitable challenges of body image issues that they're gonna right. face as they develop and change? That's a great question. 
Well, I'll start by saying I, I don't have kids and that mm-hmm. truthfully listening to you guys talk, I think you already know what you're doing. But like, I, oh, I, I really mean it. it. Like, Thank because you. there is Aww. no perfection. There is no way that you can keep your children from being exposed to these things in the outer world. I yeah. think all you can do is love them unconditionally mm-hmm. and be curious with them mm-hmm. like when yes. they do have these like and obviously different ages might require like different types of conversations but that when they have certain thoughts or they express certain things to be able to ask them like that's interesting why is it that you think that mm-hmm. yeah like, where is that coming from and where do you feel like you learned that from mm-hmm. um yeah. and like being able to have just like a curious discussion with them mm-hmm. about that and i also think with anything that we're trying to teach to others it's less about what we're maybe actively teaching in a lecturing type of sense <laughs> and more about yeah. how we conduct ourselves mm-hmm. you know so like oh, yeah. i i think that it's so much about how you talk to yourself in front of your kids which we kind of mm. talked about briefly yeah. earlier and how you talk about talk about other people in front of your kids what are the things that you maybe um are are your first thoughts about someone to express mm-hmm. and like I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. like, no, it does because absolutely. Cause kids are always listening. I feel like we and picking uh-huh. up on things yes. that we don't, you know, like maybe to us, it seems more nuanced, but mm-hmm. to them yeah. it's not. Yeah. Yes. One of my favorite things that I'm really proud of is I'm like, Evie, wow, that you were so strong. And she goes, I am strong. And I'm like, yeah, I love that. <laughs> that makes me happy. So <laughs> proud mom moment. <laughs> All right. So our last thing tonight, because when we have our, um, usual episodes we and we each end with a hello which is something random we may have ruined your hello because <laughs> i feel like no that's okay that's okay but I, um I can sort of talk more about yeah it, but... so so give us like a short like just a summary of something hello whether it's something random or whatever yeah. it can be about anything it can be about food socks literally whatever you want <laughs> okay you know what i'm gonna I, I know what mine is. <gasps> Do it. Um, and it is still related to the books because okay. I, I was going to bring up some of the books I was reading. But I think what I'm going to bring up really is so like I mentioned earlier and we talked about Sarah and I were English majors. Yeah. And so like we did a lot of reading in college. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I was so burnt out on reading for so long. And for a while, what I would do to get any amount of reading done at all mm-hmm. for my enjoyment was audiobooks, which is great. Yes. So <laughs> sorry, I got excited. I'm so excited. I knew that's where you were going with it because I used the same tactic. Sorry. Yes. But that's I kept it inside. <laughs> so I think like mine is that what I'm realizing is because I was always just like I had this kind of thought that I was like really trying not to make judgmental because it's very easy for me. I think we've all done this where we're like, I don't read books anymore. Uh, what happened what, to yes. me? I used to love to read. I was an and English major I, and I haven't read. And it, yeah, yes. that's exactly what happened to me too. Yeah. And, and then for me, it was like, well, I never, will I ever read a physical book again? <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> if I didn't, that would be fine. Audiobooks are great ways to get your reading done. Um, but what is happening to me this this time, this year, this 2021, <laughs> is I'm realizing what I'm drawn to is just not fiction right now. It's nonfiction. Okay. And so I have read multiple physical books this year and I'm planning to read many more yes. and it's working. And I'm like, I didn't think this was possible. <laughs> and um, it's really cool. And I, I've just sort of given myself the freedom to be like, Nonfiction is what I'm into right now. And I will come back around to fiction when it's time. And I just have to trust that because I love fiction for other reasons too. Um, But you know what? I've been, I was reading fiction my whole life and I just need, I just need something different. And what's calling to me right now is learning through nonfiction. And that's really what I feel passionate about right now. So that's my hello, I guess. I don't, I hope that works. It 100% (laughs) does. 
Well, first, I just want to thank you, Kelsey, for joining us. And what an amazing conversation. I yes. feel like I have oh, so many you. avenues I want to take from this. And um, with the resources you provided, I have a good place to go, which is really, it feels good yeah. and encouraging. Like it's a good, oh, good basis to start from and get me thinking too. Because um, I even mm-hmm. had a revelation in this episode. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So as we wrap up our first interview, as always, we want to hear from you listeners. Um, how do you think about body image after becoming a mom? And what are your thoughts on our conversation today? I would just love, we would all love to hear what you think. Uh, you can email us at lumpymotherpodcast at gmail.com. And like Sarah already said, we absolutely loved this conversation. Ah, this was yes. huge, not only ah. for us, but hopefully for other moms out there. Um, so if you really enjoyed today's episode, we definitely want to hear that because then it kind of tells us let's do some more imi- or even interviews in the future. Yeah. But um, if you liked this episode, there's some really important things that you can do that will help others find us. So you can make sure that you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, rating and review us. Reviewing us is huge and it's free to do. And then as always, just share us with someone that you might think enjoy or shoot enjoy our show. And even if it's episode specific, you know, we had an episode recently about breastfeeding that -hmm. if you know someone who is struggling with breastfeeding or is pregnant right now might help them. If you have mom friends that are struggling with body image, you know, maybe this is the episode that you share with them just because um, it could be so helpful, even standalone. Yeah. And also don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at lumpy mother podcast. And on Twitter, you can find us at lumpy mother pod one. And you can find me at coach, at coaching with Kelsey on uh, TikTok and also Instagram. And make sure you join us next Tuesday to see what motherhood has in store for our lives and yours. We'll see you Bye. then. Thank you, Kelsey. Bye. Perfect. Yay. No, that was, I'm so sorry. We didn't No, that's okay. That I just didn't also didn't okay. want to interrupt. I'm going to, all right, Sarah, now we can hear you without the, oh, stretch. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've been leaning together. Can you hear us, Sarah? Hello? And I don't I think, don't we, think can, we, yeah, can we can't hear. All right. Well, this is us telling you we love you. We can't hear you, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's still there. That's okay. Oh, oh, we still can't hear you. Bye. Nope. I think she's saying really sweet things, but she also does not have her headphones in. <laughs> Bye. Oh.